0: Are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam and Charlie O. One day in 1970, Jenny Anderson, then wife of Jethro Tull's Ian Anderson, and now filmmaker Jenny Franks, was photographing homeless people along the Thames and Bank in association with the London School of Art Project that she was doing with Victoria's Salvation Army. As she took the photo, she listened to the stories of how these people had suddenly become homeless, passing quickly from a normal life to the ranks of the invisible homeless. She was moved by the experience, and one homeless man in particular caught her eye. He and his story are believed to have inspired the lyrics of the title song to Tall's fourth studio album, Aqualung. Jenny showed the photos she had taken to Ian, and the appearance of one man in particular caught the interest of the couple. Together, they wrote the title song, Aqualung. It was a song about homelessness and society's reaction to it. The song needed a title, and the man of the song had a respiratory ailment. Anderson said the song title was inspired by the TV show Sea Hunt, where the main character, played by Lloyd Bridges, wore an aqualung for underwater breathing. Anderson thought it was a generic name for underwater breathing equipment, when in fact it was a brand name. The album title was taken from the song. Terry Ellis worked as a producer for Chrysalis Records at the time, and he was looking for someone to do the album art for the record. He wanted an American illustrator to do the cover, and he had seen the work of artist Burton Silverman in Time, Esquire and New Yorker magazines, as well as having seen some of his paintings in a New York art gallery. Ellis visited Silverman in his studio on 113th Street in New York. Later, in Chrysalis's midtown offices, Ellis offered Silverman a paid trip to London to meet the band, do some sketches, take some photos, and listen in on a rehearsal. He also offered Silverman $1,500 to produce art for the front and back covers and the inner gatefold. Silverman was given carte blanche on the style and content of these three paintings. The art was left entirely up to him. This would be Silverman's first and only music-related art project. The deal was sealed with a handshake. Silverman said of the meeting, He had no idea what he wanted to do or what I would do. The lack of a concrete proposal was part of Ellis's sales pitch, Ellis said, listen, come to London, you'll watch the group in rehearsal, you'll take a look at Ian Anderson, you'll sort of get acquainted and you'll get some ideas from it. Just before Christmas of 1970, Silverman and his wife flew to London. They sat and watched the band rehearse at Island Studios. Silverman made a few sketches and took some photos. Nothing he'd drawn or photographed was deemed usable, however. Fortunately, the lyrics to the title track kicked Silverman's imagination into gear. Pouring over the lyrics, Silverman saw a misbegotten street person, an angry man at war with an unjust world, who would yell incoherent things. Robert Silverman, the artist's son, described his father's response. He decided to place the figurine of Aqualung in a lonely, dank doorway, gripping his shabby coat for warmth and menacingly warding off all comers like a cornered animal. He and my mother took to the streets, traipsing around London in search of the perfect, grubby setting. When they found a backdrop to Dad's liking, he grabbed his coat collar and hunched over while Mom snapped a few black-and-white Polaroids for future reference. For the wild-eyed, rheumatic street preacher-slash-pariah's facial expression, Dad partly used himself as a model, grimacing into a hotel mirror and drawing himself. Thus inspired, the cover painting and the inside gatefold were completed before Dad fled London. He finished the back cover after he returned to New York. There's an alternative explanation for the cover, but the details are murkier. In this version, the idea for the cover reportedly came from one of the photographs Anderson's wife took of a homeless man on Thames Embankment. Inspired by said photo, Silverman supposedly used photos of Anderson himself, dressed like a homeless person, as a model. In this version, Anderson was upset that the painting resembled him more than he preferred. In an interview, Anderson later said, I'm not this character. I'm not a homeless person. I'm a spotty middle class English kid. I've never had to sleep rough on the street, and I don't want to be pretending to be that character. Anderson said he was not a fan of the cover art, and he felt it would have been better to have used the photograph rather than to commission the painting. In the book, A Passion Play The Story of Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull, Anderson said their front cover was not very attractive or well executed. I've never liked the Aqualung album cover, although a lot of people think it's terrific. In a 2011 interview, Anderson called the artwork messy and restated his complaints about it being an unflattering portrait of him, which Silverman's son denies. Let's take a closer look at the album. The album cover was a watercolor painting of the character Aqualung created by the artist, Silverman said the long-haired, bearded, huddled figure is just an imaginative guess at what he thought a homeless man with a malevolent stare might look like. He's pictured wearing shabby clothes against the doorway as if cornered on a cold December day in London with freezing winds coming off the Thames as he eyes little girls with bad intent. Silverman used the skiing poster which says, Spend Christmas skiing with mixed party as a mildly ironic contrast to this fringe person who would usually be ignored in the street. This is not only exactly what a character like Aqualung would never get to do on Christmas, but it also places him in a contemporary context instead of some vaguely Dickensian age, such as the style of the painting and other details might suggest. He repeats, Anderson was not my model for him, but the hair and the outlier look was a reference to his performance persona. The long overcoat and general wild man look is indeed evocative of Anderson's performance style. Turn the cover over and we find a relatively simple image of Aqualung at rest in the gutter with a mangy but apparently friendly dog perched by his side, gnawing on some sort of vaguely edible thing. There is a scripture-like verse included on the album which gave rise to the perception that this might be a concept album. It says, In the beginning man created God, and in the image of man created he him. And man gave unto God a multitude of names, that he might be Lord over all the earth when it was suited to man. And on the seven millionth day man rested, and did lean heavily on his God, and saw that it was good, And man formed aqualung of the dust of the ground, and a host of others likened unto his kind. And these lesser men, man did cast into the void, and some were burned, and some were put apart from their kind. And man became the god that he had created, and with his miracles did rule over all the earth. But as these things did come to pass, the spirit that did cause man to create his god lived on within all men even within Aqualung, and man saw it not. But for Christ's sake, he better start looking. Silverman used stock photos provided by Terry Ellis in 1970 to create a painting that repositioned a band rehearsal to a church or chapel setting, complete with a thurible, cross, organ, and communion wine. This is found in The Gateway. Many critics characterize Aqualung as a concept album, a critique Anderson vociferously objected to, so much so that he intentionally made his next album, Thick as a Brick, an exaggerated newspaper concept album to show critics what a concept album would really look like. As mentioned, Silverman received a flat fee of $1,500 for the painting, and either he or his son spent many years afterward resenting the fact that the image became so popular and created a nice little income stream from T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise sales that the artist received no share of. His contention was that the $1,500 was for the right to use the paintings on the album cover, but not for other purposes. But there was no written contract, and the artist has received nothing for the merch sales. The original artworks for both the front and back covers are missing. They were apparently stolen from a London hotel room, or perhaps from Chrysalis' office during a robbery. The original artwork for the interior gatefold painting was not taken during the robbery and was held by Terry Ellis. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit.
1: sitting at our desk chairs. (laughs) But alas, there's no snot running down our noses. We're here healthy and happy to bring you more of the content we're known for today, setting our sights on Jethro Tull's Aqualung, right? Absolutely. So there's a lot of story here. Let's act as if both of the cover stories, so to speak, are fact. We'll shake out the truth later, see what we can do right. Now, I don't know about you, but one person I wouldn't ask for the truth regarding the story is Ian Anderson himself, who still seems to have plenty to say about this piece.
0: Yes, he he had a lot of (laughs) opinions. He and, uh... He, and I'm um, uh, Mr. Silver also. Yes. Oh, he certainly. has there, there are some long interviews on the internet if anybody wants to see that. But have your lawyer attend. Yeah, you're not kidding. He's not happy.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to need to read the fine print on all of these pieces. But so we start with Ian and his then wife, Jenny Anderson, now Franks whose project was photographing the homeless population across the Thames embankment, right? That's right. So I see the Salvation Army's name attached to this. It seems like this philanthropic idea to just give a little bit of exposure to the stories behind these people. Is that right?
0: Yeah, and learn your craft while doing it. Okay, okay. It's an art school project.
1: Oh, okay, art school project. That makes sense. So, am I to assume that you know the lecherous and imposing character that graces the cover of this album wasn't inspired by any particular picture, but instead one man's story informed the lyrics. Is that right?
0: I don't know if he informed the lyrics, and when you say the lyrics, I guess we'd have to be clear about what lyrics. I don't think he was the Aqualung uh, Sir, yes guy. yes, understood, but, but you know the, the homelessness and things show up in some other songs there are you know there' there's some threads that run through it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think this was there. I don't think she met anybody who was the inspiration for Aqualon. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I was curious because
1: you know she certainly sat down, interviewed some some people, and got good information, yeah. so to speak. But yeah. that that helps, Co. If the goal was even partially to humanize society's misunderstood fringe, the lyrics wouldn't tell that <laughs> that's same right. story. That's right. You know, neither
0: would the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's not doing anything to. to further the cause of the homeless no
1: no it's certainly not so
0: you know apparently the man
1: in question though did have a lung ailment yeah um do you know if anderson has any well franks jenny franks do you think uh franks has any rough sketches of any of these interviews remaining because i have some questions for her
0: (laughs) yeah you'd have to take that up with her okay
1: all right so you know her husband ian maybe was the one that ultimately made the choice but my first question was was this guy a pedophile (laughs) <laughs> it's it's deeply unsettling right you know? yeah
0: yeah well the, the the guy in aqualung most certainly was oh yes i don't i don't, the I don't think itself. that i don't think the guy that she met on the embankment uh had those you know but this was a rock and roll probably uh drug infused and certainly like, yeah and the pictures that she took probably suggested some of the people that like like what we see on the album, you know, sure, homeless yeah. people, clothes that don't fit, unshaven yeah. hair, uncombed, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think that was uh, you'd only only very loosely based on any okay. homeless people.
1: Okay, so the the, the character was very yeah. much just a sketch out of the yeah. brain of one person. Let's say, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's we don't know which one person it was, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was one person. So you know, I was surprised though that we could have just reached out to the uh, quote unquote young man. Uh, responsible for this cover, ninety-five years young, Burton Silverman, uh still living, <laughs> it was yep. handpicked by the producer. What was the producer for uh this particular album do you remember? It was Tori Ellis for Curselis Records. Ah, uh, Ellis, okay. So I can see why he was handpicked by Ellis. His style is gorgeous, but am I to understand this was his first and only dalliance with the music industry? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I can see why. You know, for <laughs> any number of reasons, but um you know, I do like the the uh, the quote unquote artistic direction. Basically, give us three paintings and do whatever you want. That's a cool and freeing uh, and game plan. Sc- and
0: scary if you've never done it before. Yeah, I was
1: going to say it's it's pretty daunting, and yeah. um, you and, know. And
0: you got the Stones and the Beatles out and about, and you know, that would have been yeah, that would have been intimidating.
1: That's true. You, yeah, you do have a lot to live up to. Um, but going with his wife to London to watch band rehearsals. You know, hang out, just meet Anderson, meet the guys, listen to some songs. It sounds like it would be an enriching experience. And he took all these photos, made all these sketches, but found nothing workable. Found nothing that he wanted to use. What do you think that was due to? Well, probably because he
0: he was working for Time and Esquire and the New Yorker and didn't really have that rock and roll spirit or soul, Mm -hmm. perhaps until he finally heard Aqualung and, and it caught on and he thought okay now I get it That yeah Snot that's true running down your nose and petticoats yeah and I damn, can work yeah, with this yeah yeah
1: because yeah. yeah the lyrics really did paint quite the picture yeah. so you know so Silverman has this image of a defensive wounded but really dangerous figure calcified in his mind he sets off with his wife to find the perfect backdrop mm-hmm. is there any idea if this location's ever been verified because people uh, have found <laughs> yeah. found more uh, more with less
0: yeah and, and uh, God bless them, the people who can do it. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. You know, I, I'm looking for those people. I'm not looking for the location. Exactly. Yeah. No, I didn't find anything that said that. That seems to be an American obsession. It really More does. More than a European obsession. It really
1: does. But we do know that there are some serious location scout out there. So Absolutely. if you have any idea, hit us up. So we have Silverman claiming that he based that man... That ultimately graces the cover on his own likeness, much in the same way we kind of uh, dug into the uh, King Crimson debut album. You know, so I did my best to scour forgotten, dusty corners of the internet for early photos of Silverman, but I gotta say, it looks a hell of a lot like Ian Anderson, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, yeah I, yeah. I mean, you know, the hair, the whole, the whole uh, uh, gestalt of the of the album is, yeah. is Ian Anderson.
1: And all of them at the time. You know, it could have been three out of the five members of Jethro Tull at the mm-hmm. time. But yeah. it really feels like a composite of uh, that sort of rock and roll rock and roll image.
0: Yeah, but you know, I was surprised by his reaction that when people thought it was him, that he seemed to be offended that yeah. you think this was him. I'm a proper uh, middle-class English lad, you know, kind of thing. And I'm thinking, wow, that was... That's certainly not a rock and roll response that I would have expected. It's
1: not, you know, sort of calling himself out for like, I don't want that street cred. I don't deserve it. But, you know, again, in the defense of Silverman, Ian Anderson is the the shoeless, bearded, long-haired guy, you know, dancing around the stage playing the flute. So, you know, you'd be all right uh, mistaken for thinking he was a sort of a street busker.
0: He, He may have been, you know, in the picture and hunched over, but when it came time to put a face to this character... It would only make sense that he would think of the guy he'd been spending days watching. So, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: even if it informed him subtly, it was there. Yeah, You know, so the alternate explanation of how this cover came to be is really important because I think it illuminates a problem in the industry regarding the rights of artists, visual artists, in this mm-hmm. particular occasion. So if nothing else, Silverman really should have demanded a contract because uh, a lump sum of 1500 bucks. For an album that would go on to sell seven million copies and launch an unknown amount of merch items seems a little thin, no matter where you stand on the on on the rights.
0: Yeah, but if you're a, a an artist and you're struggling a bit, and somebody from the rock and roll world says, "Come to England and you know bring your wife and listen to the band, and we'll give you fifteen hundred dollars. You could do whatever you want." Yeah, I could see that that could be a heady trip. I mean, the money was. Was more significant, uh, you know, back then. Oh,
1: I'm sure. Yeah, uh,
0: much more so. So, yeah, but but uh, but yeah. It, uh, in retrospect, looking back, which is what you know, which is what Silver did. He could see that he had really been screwed. Or he, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe he wasn't screwed, but he was uh, certainly thinking he could have done better for himself. Well, yeah, you know, a couple <laughs> things here.
1: Ultimately, and again, this is not. You know, this is not coming from the mouth of a, a loyal Jethro Tull fan completist. But when I think Jethro Tull, I think the cover of Aquila. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. emblem yeah. of of that band at their peak. Yeah, you know, it does feel a bit like giving five bucks to the guy that uh, bought you a seven million dollar winning lottery ticket for your birthday. <laughs> you know, but my, you know, ultimately my theory is that Ian Anderson was salty enough um, with the resemblance that. You know, he didn't feel the need to eventually compensate the man uh, responsible for it. Obviously, you know, <clears throat> he did at the time, but man, fifteen hundred bucks really starts to feel a bit, uh, yeah, a bit when, shady down the yeah, line.
0: Yeah, when you think of all the mugs and posters and, and everything else, that's yeah, So, Yeah, so absolutely.
1: Either way, let's just say Ian Anderson didn't like the attachment. You know, it's it sounds like it's plagued the both of them enough to call it a draw historically. So. But I'm more interested in the dichotomy created by the back cover. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Did you have any sort of response when first seeing this? I had not seen this. I'd imagine you certainly may have. Well,
0: yeah, you know, this was an album that I had and wore out pretty well. So yeah. it was something that was more familiar as a memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it seemed to change the character of the character. Wildly. Uh, yeah, in a 180, you know, and, and it's the appearance of of the dog. But if you go to the song, maybe that's the dog that he was taking the food from. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's, that's true. But there's just a softness to his yeah. face that really yeah. changes the character. So, you
1: know, there's this lengthy and intentional placement of a Bible passage. Mm-hmm. And the decided, decidedly more peaceful looking aqualung, as we can call him, it feels like a very different character. And I know it's naive, you know, especially with your uh, your take on the dog. But... Any inclusion of a dog paints a human in a different light for me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it's naive. But, again, a friend of animals is always easier to elicit sympathy for. Sure. So sure. I think the front and the back really paints the picture of how we all see the homeless population as a whole. So I think it's, you know, it's pretty advanced
0: in a number of ways. But... Well, the whole idea, you know, going back and looking at the, the history of the album cover, to be honest, I was kind of surprised to see that homelessness was on anybody's radar on any screen. yeah yeah Back yeah then, quite know, true i, quite I true. just didn't think of that
1: you know and Anderson. But then again i
0: was also thought that jethro tall was the name of
1: yeah of Ian that's the singer right yeah yeah <laughs> well that's a that's an equally worthy name for a guy that looks like that looks like a wood sprite dancing <laughs> yeah. around the stage you know anderson expressed in his book that he kind of wished the photo was used i'm really glad that photo wasn't used i think that would have felt a bit exploitative and yeah. inappropriate, yeah. considering the man was homeless and unlikely to have been found to sign a release. But yeah,
0: he would have had a real gripe about. The oh royalty. yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. Were he
1: to find that, were he to look, you know, past <laughs> a, a storefront window, what in the hell? Yeah, that's me. But it is too bad, however, in my opinion, that the tremendous painting that makes the gatefold wasn't used as the cover. We could have. Avoided all the hullabaloo that still plagues this cover art story.
0: Yeah, and it was it was rather um, yeah it was it was a nice, nice job. It was based on a photograph. Yeah, they took yeah, a yeah. Photograph sort of a composite, paint, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, and and it's uh, it's fascinating to look at. If if you don't have the image in front of you, uh, go out to Discogs and look them up because it, it was a nice job he did. Yeah, I mean he he did good work for fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So, oh, f-
1: m- most certainly. So I have to check myself here a little bit, which is kind of funny. I was a little apprehensive about Silverman's complaints. You know, him along with his son have seemed to write a lot about not being fairly compensated. And I was like, oh, boo-hoo, the fine artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not playing the violin for this guy. But in doing a bit of research, I've come across some auction sites that have signed Silverman original paintings, which are tremendous, for south of $200. You know, so I think, and that's as of today. So the complaints um, aren't unfounded. You know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll side on uh, I'll side with him on this one. But my take, you know, is that a killer cover really elevated a pretty good album, and the classic status it seems to embody now is, while not as equally part, you know, due to Silverman's contribution, it's it's in there.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There. That I mean, th- this is one that that's seared into. My mind, and I think a lot of people from my generation, you know, is the yeah is the, the aqua cover, and it's it's a great
1: album. There's yeah. some absolute standout tracks on this. Cross-eyed Mary always been one of my locomotive
0: breath is a classic. It's
1: interesting you bring that up because my last question, and I think it's a good place to close, is for my co-host and father. I need uh, you to solve the equally compelling mystery <laughs> that ties you directly to locomotive breath. Are you the quote unquote old
0: Charlie mentioned in the lyrics? <laughs> Uh, I, I can't tell. I've, I've sworn to secrecy, and, and you know um, what happens in London stays in London.
1: Part two, we'll be uh, getting Silverman on the on the horn. <laughs> Take care. Have a okay. good
0: next time.